Welcome to the podcast of the United Church of Bogota. We are a Bible-based church ministering to the English-speaking community in Bogota, Colombia. We invite you to join our diverse fellowship as we encounter God in worship and experience the impact of His grace on every part of our lives and in our world. To learn more, please visit our website at ucbogota.org. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 37. As you do so, we began a sermon series a few weeks ago on the topic of worship. And so far we've seen what worship is. And then last week we saw how the beginning of our service every week is designed to retell the story of the gospel every week, confronting us with God's glory, humbling us in our sin, and assuring us of His acceptance in Christ as we come in to worship every Sunday. Well, the next section of our service is generally focused on the Word of God. We read the Bible together. We uh, have a, a sermon preaching on the Bible. And this morning, this morning, I want us to consider this question. Is it really all that important to read and preach the Bible in church? Uh, in a world with so many different and effective ways of getting and keeping people's attention... YouTube, so, uh, multimedia, Broadway, TED Talks, social media campaigns, powerful music, visual arts, movies, you name it, right? Why do we continue to insist upon standing up here and reading from a book and spending 20 to 30 minutes explaining it from a preacher? Uh, let me put it more directly. Why should you devote your time to listening to reflecting on and responding to God's Word. It's a question I want us to think about today. And for our text, we have the continuation of what uh, Andrew began reading it from Ezekiel chapter 36 uh, in a very vivid vision that God gave the prophet Ezekiel. And so let's hear as God reads, as God speaks to us in His Word. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and He brought me out into the, uh, in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a sound and behold a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, 
Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we pray that your word would do its work among us. That you, in fact, would do your work among us to raise us to new life, as you promised to do. We pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. For the kids left in the room, or even more adult kids, I want you to help me out here. To finish this sentence for me. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Good job, right? You guys did better than the first service. Um, that phrase, or something similar to it, uh, first appeared in a magazine in uh, Liverpool, in England, in 1857. And then over the next 20 years or so, it appeared in a number of different ways and a number of different sources, uh, usually cited as advice for young people. Not sure if a similar phrase exists in Spanish, but if it doesn't, you should consider yourself lucky. Because, unfortunately, it's probably the worst possible advice that we could give to our kids about words. Why? Well, it's terrible advice because we all know that words have power. Words have power. Uh, Often our words can be even more powerful than whatever we can do with sticks or stones or fists or whatever. I love you. I promise. I trust you. You're doing a good job. Those are powerful words. I hate you. I don't want to see you again. Go away. Those are also equally powerful words, aren't they? Words are powerful because they aren't just words, right? They're powerful because we do things with our words. We don't just speak. We do other things when we speak. For example, on August 12, 2006, I said the following words. I, Bryce, take you, Lisa, to be my wedded wife, right? And people there listened to those words, and a minister heard those words, and I actually got married by saying those words. And uh, that's, not, that's not only true of those very significant moments in our life, but we do other things with our words all the time. We make promises, we build people up, we criticize, we hurt, we encourage. Our words are powerful because they do things. And if our words have power, how much more should the words of God have power? If our words have power, we should not be surprised by the fact that the Word of God has power. And so what I want us to do this morning, I want us to focus on the Word of God. And the fact that we include it as part of our service, that this main middle part of our service is all focused on the Word of God. So, But why should we listen to it? Why should we devote so much time on Sundays to hearing it and, and hearing it preached? Why should I spend time during the week preparing a sermon? I want to give you two reasons why. And then I want to close with a few words of application. Two reasons why we should hear and listen to the Word of God. The first is because we need it. We need it. In the year 586 B.C., uh, the people of Israel were 
carted off from the promised land and taken as exiles into the land of Babylon. And God made it clear through the prophets that served before that time that the reason why that happened is because the people had turned their back on God and they had served other gods, just like we read in the book of Jeremiah, who served actually before that time. And then uh, Ezekiel, uh, his ministry takes place after the exile. And so he's talking to people who are already carted off into Babylon. They're not living in the promised land anymore. And the Lord wants his people to have a vivid picture of their spiritual state as they are living in exile. And basically, he shows Ezekiel this vision to say, look, you are like a valley of dry bones. Like an army that has been defeated and left for months and years to rot in the sun. And notice he he makes the point in verse 2, and he presses it home. He says, look, these bones were very dry. And so this isn't a battle that just happened. This is something that there's not a, a bit of life hanging on these bones. These are dry, dry bones. And then in verse 11, he interprets this vision for us. He says, our, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. In other words, spiritually speaking, not only had Israel lost its relationship with the Lord, it had very little hope at all of ever seeing it restored again. Why? Because they didn't have any spiritual resources left. They had nothing to draw upon. They had no spark of life still left in them, spiritual life that they could go to and, and, and harness in order to pull themselves out of the situation in which they found themselves. They were lifeless and hopeless. Most of you know our family is from Texas, and in the summertime in Texas, in case you haven't been there, it gets really hot, like 40 degrees hot for days and months on end. One time our family took a vacation, we left uh, for a week or so, and we came back and pulled into the driveway, and I remembered immediately that I had forgotten to do something for our outdoor plants. I'd forgotten to have somebody come and water them while we were gone, and these plants the green, beautiful plants, the colorful flowers that were just hanging out of these beautiful pots looked like what was left after you have a barbecue, right, uh, in the bottom of your grill. Uh, these plants had been cooked in the 40-plus degree sun for over a week without any water. And, you know, we, I could have gotten gallons and gallons of water and dumped them on those plants and put fertilizer on them and it would have done nothing. Why? Because there was nothing left in them. There was no life that I could just spark back to, uh, to, to nourish them back to life. They were done. They were finished. They were completely dry. And friends, that's a picture of who we are apart from the Lord's intervention. We don't have a spark of spiritual life left in us. We don't have something that's still there that we can go down and draw upon. We're like a valley of dry bones. We're not just weak or injured. We, we are lifeless. The problem is that's not the message that you and I hear from the world around us, is it? The message that we hear from almost every source is that you have the strength inside of you to do what you need to do to turn your life around. You have the intelligence, the willpower, the money, the resources, the inner strength, self-discipline, conviction, whatever you want to call it, that you have that inside of you to make changes in your life. And that what you need to do is you need to reach down deep inside yourself and find that strength and, and, and get yourself out of whatever situation you find yourself in. 
Now, in certain parts of life, that may be true. You can probably get in better shape doing that. You can probably get more organized in your life or whatever. But when it comes to the Lord, when it comes to reestablishing a relationship with God, when it comes to knowing Him and, and, and growing in your knowledge with Him, we don't have that, those resources. When it comes to spiritual life, we can't save ourselves from God's judgment, as we just sang a few minutes ago. We can't change our desires. We can't turn ourselves back. And like the leopard that can't change his spots, we can't resurrect ourselves from the dead. Why? Because we're dead, spiritually speaking. And that's why we need someone to come to us from the outside. A word to come to us from the outside. A message that comes to us from the outside. Not something that we find within ourselves, but like the words that, uh, that Andrew just read a minute ago. How beautiful are the feet on the mountains of those who bring good news. That's what we need. We need someone to come from afar to announce to us that something else has been done on our behalf to save us from, from the situation in which we find ourselves. And that's why it's important to have the Word of God because it comes to us from the outside. A preacher necessarily comes to you from the outside and not to give you good advice, not to, get, not to tell you to draw on your spiritual strength, but to make an announcement of what God has done for you. So we listen to the Word of God. We need it. We listen to it because we desperately need it. We don't have the resources in ourselves. That's the first reason. The second reason that we should listen to the Word of God is because that is where the power lies. The Word of God is where the power lies. When I graduated from seminary, a pastor and teacher, very famous one named Marcy Sproul, was invited to give the commencement address at my graduation. Many of you guys know that name. It was very special to me because Dr. Sproul was very instrumental in uh, in shaping my desire to go to seminary and ultimately to be a pastor. Uh, and as, as a side note, uh, as, as we were, uh, Dr. Sproul was suffering from a condition in which he was very sensitive to flash photography. And so they'd given the, the uh, audience a warning, don't take any flash photography. And as we we're walking in, Lisa grabs her camera and pulls out her camera to take a picture of the graduates as we were coming in. And my friend uh, there who worked for the seminary had to almost like tackle her uh, before she killed Dr. Sproul, right before he was able to speak at our graduation. But thankfully, he lived long enough to actually speak to us. Um, that would have been a whole different story, right? Sorry, my wife killed R.C. Sproul. But I'll never forget his message to us as young seminary graduates. He leaned over the pulpit, and in his gruff voice said, don't ever forget where the power In verse 3, the Lord asks Ezekiel a question. Son of man, can these bones live? You can imagine Ezekiel looking and saying, well, there's nothing certainly that I can do to make them live. They're dry bones. And, the Lord, and so he right, wisely says, Lord, you know. If they can live, then you know. What does God tell him to do? Prophesy over these bones. The word prophesy is just an Old Testament way of saying preach to the bones. Preach to them. And Ezekiel begins to preach 
to this valley of dry bones. You can imagine how weird that would have felt, right? There's this valley of dry bones, not a face looking back at him, smiling, saying, yeah, pastor, go get it. I, you know, I, I'm following you. No, just an empty valley of dry bones, and he's preaching a sermon to them. And yet they begin to come to life. They begin to come to life. Why do Ezekiel's words have so much power? Well, first, they have power because Ezekiel's words are God's words. Ezekiel's words are God's words. Notice what the Lord tells him to say in verse 4. He says, Say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. God here is speaking to Israel through the voice of his prophet. And this isn't just an Old Testament phenomenon. Listen to the Apostle Paul in in his first letter to the Thessalonians. He says this, We thank God because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. They heard the word of God from Paul and the apostles. And even though it wasn't some God's booming voice that came out from somewhere else, he says, you heard the word of God from us. These men spoke the word of God, and you heard it and recognized it for what it really is. Not our words, but the word of God. And so, friends, when we get up here and we read the Bible, and we say, this is the word of the Lord, we mean it. That's not just something we're saying. It is the word of the Lord. And even when, that, when the message of the Bible is faithfully preached, it is the word of God. It's the word of God. Not because there's anything special about me or about Andrew, but because there's the, in the message of the scriptures as it's preached and proclaimed, God speaks. That's why it has power. And the second reason it has power is because it is a message of grace. It's a message of grace. Look at the content of Ezekiel's sermon. God doesn't tell Ezekiel, okay, tell the bones it's time to wake up and get busy and put themselves back together again. Does he? He doesn't say, okay, I'm going to give you a picture of a skeleton and I want you to, to put yourself in the place where you belong. If you're a femur, you belong down here. If you're a tibia, you need to connect yourself to the femur. I'm not sure if that's actually right, so, but whatever, I think that's right. No, he declares what God intends to do for them. There's not a command in this sermon, is there? Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you. I will cause flesh to come upon you. I will cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel's sermon is a message of grace because it is an announcement of what God intends to do for his children. Friends, what makes Christian preaching Christian and what makes it powerful is because at its heart it is an announcement of what God has done in Jesus Christ to save you and to save me from our sins. It isn't good advice. It isn't a lesson of what you can do to improve your spiritual life. It is a declaration. It is a proclamation. It is a message that God has sent His Son into the world to pay for the sins of His people, to raise Him to new life from the dead, and for Him to pour out His Holy Spirit upon you and to raise you from the dead spiritually. It's an announcement of good news. And friends, that is where the power is. And that's a message that needs to be heard not only 
uh, for those of you who may have never heard that message before and who are now hearing it for the first time and need to respond for the first time in faith and repentance. But it's also a message that you need to hear if you are a Christian on a regular basis. Why? Because all of us continue to struggle with sin. All of us continue to, to doubt whether or not the work of Christ is sufficient for us. All of us will continue to question, has God really done these things? And the, my job, Andrew's job, as we get up here to proclaim the message, it isn't just to say, well, you need to try harder, you need to do more, you need, you need to put another brick in your backpack to carry around. But it's, it's to announce that those who repent of their sins and turn to Jesus have been forgiven. And you can count on that this Sunday and next Sunday and every Sunday until the Lord comes back. It has the power to convince you if you're skeptical. It has the power to humble you if you're proud. It has the power to to drive you out of yourself to Christ. It has has the, the power to establish you. And then more importantly, it has the power to draw you again and again to Jesus. That's what makes God's Word powerful. So what does that mean for us? How should we respond? How do we apply this to our lives? Let me give you four words. Listen, examine, receive, and respond. Listen. We should make it a regular practice to listen to the Word of God. To be here to hear it preached, but also to listen listen to it throughout your day, throughout your week. In the back of your bulletins, we started providing a daily reading plan. Uh, that we could all read together as a church if we want. But you don't have to use that, but uh, I encourage you to use something to read through the scriptures on a regular basis. Read through them alone. Read through them with your family. Prepare to hear them. Pray. Ask God to speak to you through His Word and trust that He will. Trust that He will. He may not tell you everything you want to know about your life. In fact, He hasn't promised to tell you everything you want to know about your life. You may be facing a situation and going... God, what do, I, what do I do about this? He may not tell you the exact answer you're looking to hear, but he will tell you everything you need to know in order to follow, in order to follow him faithfully. So listen to it. Saturate your life with it. Examine it. When the Apostle Paul went to a town called Berea, we're told that they examined the Scriptures to make sure that what Paul was saying lined up with what the, what, what the Bible said. And if the Apostle Paul's words need to be examined by the Scriptures in order to make sure that they're biblical, how much more do my words and do Andrew's words and whoever gets up here to preach at any time? Uh, Whenever we are preaching, examine it according to what you know from the Scriptures. Make sure that it's biblical. Check it against the other passages. Examine it in light of other and wiser, more godly preachers. Don't just take our word for it. Examine it. Listen. Examine. Receive. Assuming that what we say is biblical, receive it. Believe it. Believe the promises. Not just the promises for sort of people in general. That must be nice for people in general. But believe the promises are true for you. God's word is for you. It is spoken to you. And so listen to it. Receive it as a word for you. Obey the commandments. Tremble at the threats. Be awed by the stories. And its meaning is accessible to you. So receive it and believe that it's true. And finally, respond. Respond to it. The most basic response that the Bible calls us to is to believe. Not just to believe something as if you just sort of accept it as true, 
but believe it in the sense of trust. Trust that Jesus is the only one who can save you from your sins. Trust that he is the only one that can raise you to new life. Trust Jesus alone. And if you haven't been baptized, then that's one of the most basic responses that the Bible calls us to. Be baptized. And if you, uh, if you haven't, because baptism is a sign that God puts on his people as a sign of all the things that he has promised to do for you, to wash you clean from your sins, to raise you up to new life, to, to anoint you with the power of his Holy Spirit. God wants you to be baptized because he wants to communicate that to you as one of his people. And if you're already a Christian, then God wants you to respond by continuing to respond to his word, by putting it into practice in your life, to bear fruit in obedience, to choose to be humble, to choose to be kind, to be obedient, to, to love mercy. And friends, as we respond to God's word, he will rattle our dry bones to life yet again. And if you hear his voice today, don't ignore it. Don't harden your heart against it. Don't walk out these doors unchanged and think, well, there's always next week. No, respond to the word of the Lord. And let the powerful word of God raise you to new life. Amen. Father, help us to never forget where the power is. To remember that the power is not in us. Not in anything that we do or could ever possibly gin up by our own efforts, but the power is with you and with the power of your word. And so we pray that you would speak to us, that you, as you, as you speak to us, that you would assure us of your love, that you would assure us of the things that you tell us in your word, and that you would raise us to new life. Father, we love you, but we depend upon you to build within us that love by the power of your word. And so we ask that you would do it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to support the ministry of UCB, please visit our website at ucbogota.org.